So as most of you know, we finished our series on Ephesians last uh, Sunday. Is Pete here? Pete, you did such a great job last week. Thank you for that. And the, the book of Ephesians, or the letter to the Ephesians, it's such an amazing letter. I loved walking through it as a church. I believe God was speaking to us as we read his word. I'd encourage you, download, if you can, all of the messages from that series. Put them on your MP3 player or put them on your iPhone. Maybe burn a CD and listen to them again. This is important. Allow the truth of God's word to take root deep within you. So why? So that the Holy Spirit can bring them back to remembrance when you need them, right? That's what he does, reminding you of who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ, reminding you what it really looks like to live this Christian life. And as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, reminding you to put on that full armor of God. So it's been a wonderful time diving into God's word. I know for those of us who have actively been pursuing God through the scriptures, we have actually grown in the Lord, haven't we? We've been changed by his, his word. We've become more like Jesus. Do you know I love that? I lo- that is the truth of the Christian life. I love the opportunity that we have as a church, as the body of Christ, to be challenged by the word, to be changed by the word, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now with that being said, a word of caution. Do not miss out on what God wants to do in you and through you as you come to church on Sunday mornings. Don't miss out. Don't just come to church, take up a seat, take up oxygen, let God's word come in one ear and out the other. God is in the business of transformation, but you've got to play your part. Your part is repentance. Your part is surrender. Your part is radical obedience to his word. Not to be just hearers of the word, but what? Doers. Doers of the word. If you've struggled in this area in the past, in fact, if you've spent your whole life failing in this, I would say that today is a new day. Remember that. Today is a new day. Today you can change and be changed by the Holy Spirit. Open up your hearts. Open up your minds. Allow God to renew your mind in His Son, Jesus Christ. Sound good? Sound good? Amen. All right. So today we are starting a four week series. I am very excited about it. It's on the life of the Old Testament. Elijah, that's right. We're hopping into the Old Testament and we subtitled it a tale of ridiculous faith. For those of you who have never heard of this guy and maybe for those even that have heard of him before, I believe for many of you over the next four weeks, these could be the defining moments in your relationship with God. I truly believe that I have one goal. I have one purpose for the next month. It's that God's word would build within you a faith, a ridiculous amount of faith for God. It's time for us to stop just attending church. It's time to be the church. Let faith arise. And I'm using this word ridiculous on purpose. See, I love watching people that do things by faith that are just flat out ridiculous. Absurd things, right? Absurdly awesome things. Last week, Pete. Some of you weren't here, but this guy named Pete, he had this story of being locked out of his car. He was locked out of his car, but he had the key in his hand. But the key, it was too worn down to open up the doors or open up the trunk. He tried this key a hundred times. It never worked. But then he prayed. Then he prayed. (laughs) And the Lord told him to rub grass on the key. And you rub grass on on the key. This is crazy, Pete. In fact, Pete, I would have felt extremely uncomfortable standing next to you at that point. I got to be honest. No smart, intelligent, normal member of society would do such a thing. It's weird. But here he is. Sure enough, he uses this grass-stained key on his trunk. And what does it do? Pop. 
opens up the trunk. He asks the kid walking by. This is kind of creepy too. He asks the kid walking by to crawl through the trunk, crawl uh, through the trunk, open up the doors to his car. That story is ridiculous. And I love it. It's awesome. I remember one time Trevin uh, and Adam Hoffman and myself, we stood on the side of the road out there on the corner at Meridian at the light. And we just held signs that said, God loves you or Life Spring Church welcomes you. And we stood out there. It was a very cold, cold day. And we're holding on to these signs, waving to hundreds upon hundreds of cars that drove by. It was our response to the fact that Pastor Chad had told us that since we don't have a sign, we have that little thing that kind of goes out there all week. But we don't really have a sign that we as the body of Christ needed to be the sign. So Adam and I got together. We're like, hey. Let's take this to the literal response, the literal application. So we became the sign, right? We became the sign. We waved all these cars on Meridian. It's ridiculous. And it's cold, but it's awesome. I love it. As Lane, he's preparing to go on his foot washing journey. And, and I've got to be honest, Lane, I'm, I'm sure you've had people come to you and say you're nuts, right? You bet. People are just like, what are you doing? This will never work. It's a bad idea. In fact, Lane, it's a ridiculous idea. But I'd say to Lane, I'd say to every one of us, the minute that an idea looks ridiculous or impossible or absurd or unbelievable, that's the minute that there's a good possibility. There's a good chance that it's not your idea, but it might be God's idea. When we look at the life of Elijah, that's exactly what we see. I want to look at his life. And as we do, I firmly believe that God is going to build up within us some sort of ridiculous kind of faith. In fact, even as I'm speaking, for some of you, I know God is already beginning to stir that up within you. But before we go any further, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am excited for the opportunity to have this church with its doors wide open for our community. But I pray even now as we speak, Lord, that we would stop trying to get people to come in the doors and we get out the doors and we get out into our community and have a kind of faith that truly loves our neighbors, truly loves our family, loves our coworkers, and we would share the love of Christ with those around us. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn it to 1 Kings. Again, we're in the Old Testament. Old Testament's got lots of books in there, so it might take you a while. So I'm going to give you some time. Before we read, I want to give you a little context. Again, 1 Kings, we're going to go chapter 19. Before Elijah, there's a guy who had a very similar name to Elijah. Anybody know who that is? Elijah. Right. You can confuse the two. I mean, they're pretty close together. Elijah, he's one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, right? He's bold. He's daring. He's full of faith. Elijah, he wants to be like Elijah. Listen to this. Elijah, he was so bold. He was bold enough, ridiculous enough to ask for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. I mean, come on. That is absurdly bold. But that's exactly what Elijah asked Elijah for. And God, in his sovereign will, what did he do? He gave it to him. He gave Elijah, who studies under Elijah, a double portion of his, of his anointing. And, and Elijah, he actually performed more recorded miracles in Scripture than anyone except for Jesus. What's interesting about Elijah, he's a pretty ordinary guy. He wasn't the son of a priest. He wasn't a monk. He wasn't some sort of outward spiritual giant. He's an ordinary guy living at home with his parents, working on a farm when God calls him to do something incredible. The context is we're living somewhere around 9th century B.C. It's a time when Israel is divided, right? There's great tension in the land. Many people are worshiping the false god of Baal. And God raises up this ordinary guy to do something extraordinary. Now try as hard as you can. I I would just encourage you, try as hard as you can not to miss a Sunday over the next four weeks. 
Next week, we're, we're going to see something that's going to speak to most of us in this room. So many of us, because our faith is so small, we're not willing to dream big. And at the same time, we're not willing to dream big. We, are, we also aren't willing to start small. So we're going to look at the story where Elijah, he asked some people to dig some ditches in a valley long before there's any sign of water. God, he's going to expand our faith to think big. At the same time, God is going to give us the faith. This is a tough one for some of you. To start small. Third week, we're going to look at that widow. Remember the widow? She's desperate. Most of us know the feeling of being desperate, and we wonder, how am I ever going to make it? This poor lady, she's about to lose her sons, and all she has to her name is this little jar of oil. All she could see is what she didn't have, but God, through the prophet Elijah, is going to show her that she had everything she needed to do, everything that God wanted her to do. That week is going to build your faith. And the fourth week, we're going to see a crazy miracle, absurd miracle. And for those of you who at one time were a little bit more passionate about God, right? You had a a little bit more on fire, a little closer to God, but you've lost your spiritual edge. We're going to look at a miracle, Again, absurd miracle where an axe head falls into a body of water. The prophet throws a stick. He throws a stick and the axe head floats again. We're going to look at that. And I want to apply it symbolically to our lives. I believe God is going to help some of you get your spiritual edge back. Do you want that? Do you want that? We're going to look at that. And I hope you can tell I'm excited because I really am. I really am. Let faith arise in this church. Why do we exist if we do not have faith? Faith in the impossible. Faith where there's walls built up that we have faith that God can break right through those walls. That with God, nothing is impossible. So I'm going to show you today, and you can write down if you have notes or if you, we're going to have some fill-ins, but I want to look at Elijah's ridiculous commitment of faith. And this is important. This is the foundation of the rest of the series. It's the ridiculous commitment of faith. So let's read it. 1 Kings chapter 19, 19 through 21. So Elijah, he went from there and found Elijah, son of Shaphat. He was plowing the 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah, he went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left his oxen, and he ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah, he left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen. Now this is crazy. He slaughtered them. He killed them. It gets even more ridiculous. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate it. So he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Somebody say that's ridiculous. It is. So, so, so verse 19, uh, he's plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen and he himself, he's driving the 12th pair. Okay. Can we visualize what that looks like? I have a hunch he's been doing the same job that he's been doing for quite a time, quite a long time. He's working on his parents' farm. He's driving the yoke of oxen. Think about the monotony of what it would have been like to plow behind a yoke of oxen every single day. Some of you aren't going to like this, but if you're driving oxen every day, what do you smell? Nothing good, I can tell you that. You you smell oxen and you smell what comes out of oxen. What do you see? Well, you see oxen rear, oxen tail, oxen behind. In case, if you have a hard time visualizing this, I gave you this picture. That's what you see. That's not cool. (laughs) It's not. But yet, there he is. And some of you kind of feel like that, don't you? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're not looking at auction rears, but you might as well be. You're doing the same thing in, the same thing day in and day out. I mean, it's getting really, really monotonous. You're doing the same job. 
working with the same people and you're like, I am looking at oxen rares. I mean, don't say that to your coworkers. <laughs> but that's how you feel, right? Maybe you're in sales and it's just day in and day out. You start, you make your quota and then it starts again. You try to make your quota and then it starts again. You're like, this is so monotonous. All I ever do is try to live up to some standard and then it starts all over again. Some of you, you might be students and maybe you also work. So you, I go to school and then I work. I study, I work, I study some more, I work some more. Oxen rears everywhere. Those of you who are parents, what do you see all long, all day long? You see diapers, laundry, dishes, diaper, laundry, dishes, diaper, laundry, dishes. And for all of us, it can be so incredibly easy to lose our passion when all we see is oxen rears. And this is where Elijah's at. But I want you to notice, Elijah, he is being faithful to the task at hand. He's being faithful. Faithfulness seems to be in limited supply these days. Outside the church for sure, but also I feel inside the church. But learn from Elijah. He is faithful. And I believe all, with all my heart that God, he loves to reward those who are faithful in the little things. When you're faithful in little, he can trust you with much. And Elijah, even though it may not have been his favorite thing to do, even though it could have been incredibly draining physically, you got to think emotionally, he was what? He was faithful. Some of you need to hear that today. It feels like you are at the plow, but once again, the call is to remain faithful. Hold on. Don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Remain faithful. And for Elijah, it's in the middle of this faithful daily routine that God sends Elijah something new. Something new that's going to take him from where he is into a ridiculous place of impact. Verse 19, the end of verse 19, it says, Elijah, this is the great man of God that Elijah is looking up to. Elijah went to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, what in the world does that mean? His cloak. It would have been this coat made of animal skin or fur. This is his covering. I heard a mantle. It's what Elijah did was he took his covering and he put it on Elijah, basically symbolically saying, that which covered me will now cover you. That which was my mantle will now be a mantle on you. That which I was under, you will now be under. You are my student. I will be your mentor. As God has been working through me, now God is going to work through you. He put his mantle, he put his covering on Elijah. This is very significant. And for the rest of our time today, I want to show you two principles of ridiculous commitment that come from how this ordinary man, Elijah, responds to this event, to this extraordinary call. Two principles, if you're taking notes. Number one, the first one is that God is going to call Elijah to follow Elijah, and he's not going to get to know all the details. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. When God calls you to do something, you don't have to understand all the details to obey immediately. Verse 20, here's what happens. Verse 20. First, Elijah, he puts the cloak around Elijah. Then in verse 20, Elijah, what does he do? The Bible says he leaves his oxen and he runs after Elijah. He simply said, Elijah, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. Notice he didn't have to pray about it. That's right. All you Christians that love to use, I'll pray about it as a crutch not to have to do anything. 
He didn't have to pray about it. Did you notice that? He didn't have to come up with a list of pros and cons, right? I should do it because of this. I shouldn't do it because of this. No, he heard from the Lord and he said, I, God, God, I believe that you're in this. I don't know all the details, but since you're in this, I'm going to obey you immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. It's an important truth for those of us who want to be effective in leadership, by the way. Early on in ministry, in my trainings and in my classes that I took, the books that I read, goal setting and planning was very popular. A lot of the good pastors in this world, they come from the business world. So they they tell you to come up with the five-year plan or the five-year goal. My boss in Spokane, he was always wanting me to come up with a five-year plan. And and I'm wired that way. I kind of love that stuff. I love strategic planning. I think it's wise to plan ahead. If you ask my leadership team, I'm always talking about the future. We're planning for things that might not ever, ever happen. I love the plan. I'm teaching a class over the next three weeks. I'm teaching you how to set personal life goals. But have you noticed that this world that we live in is changing so rapidly, so quickly, that there is no way for me to project ahead five years all the divine opportunities God is going to send my way. No way. Not a chance. So I still believe in advanced planning. I make my employees set long-term goals. I always try to be planned out at least six months to a year in advance, but much more important to me, listen to this, much more important to me than planning for the future is how I respond in the present. I want to say that again. Much more important than how I plan for the future is how I respond in the present. How I respond in the present is vitally important. I want to be able to immediately respond to the voice of God, to the opportunities that, hey, I'm just not smart enough to be able to predict. Does that make sense? So therefore, as a council or a church staff, we always want to have financial margin to seize the opportunities that we did not plan for, right? I want to have margin in all aspects of my life so that I can jump on divine opportunities that I'm not smart enough to predict. I don't know how this would speak to you, but I believe with all my heart, you can get into a posture of spiritual readiness. Even though you can't plan what God is going to do a year from now, but if you're ready... You can obey immediately, right? Even if you do not understand fully. I want to be ready. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready to say yes immediately. In fact, I don't have time to get into all the details of my life, but I have lived a very exciting, full, and blessed life. In my 33 years, I have lived and experienced twice as most people my age. Twice as much as most people my age. I have lived an incredible life. And it's not because of my ability to plan out my future or to achieve my goals. Most importantly, it's by the grace of God. But it's also been because of the faith that God has given me to say yes to his voice when others have said no. I can't tell you how many times I've said yes when everyone else around me remained silent. But it takes faith to say yes to his voice. You have to be all in for Jesus, wholly surrendered to him, wholly surrendered to his will, because you know it's scary to say yes to God, because you are signing up for an adventure with an outcome you won't be able to predict, because God, he rarely gives us the details when he calls us to something. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? God, he's just a little vague sometimes in the actual details. It's as if he is saying, I ain't giving you the details. You want the details? You can't handle the details. He said, if I showed you all the details before you got on that train of faith and obedience, you'd be trying to sell that ticket to some other fool. No way. He says, I'm just showing you the next step. And often, 
in my life, that next step is one word. One word. Have you noticed that? I love the power of this. Just one word sometimes is all God will give us. And follower of Jesus Christ, that one word needs to be enough for you today. In the Old Testament, whenever God was giving Moses direction, I mean, you could summarize it into what? Go. Moses, go. Abraham, go. Go into the land I will show you. Peter in the New Testament. I love this one. Jesus, he's walking on the water. Peter's like, hey, that is ridiculous. The dude's walking on water. Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus gives him one word. What was the word? Come. One word. One word. Peter, he doesn't know all the details, but he obeys. He follows. And we're always giving Peter such a bad time for sinking in the water. But we forget, before he sank, Peter walked. He walked on water because he obeyed immediately. Some of you, you may hear one word from God. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you're ready. You're struggling. You're ready to give it up, right? You're ready to call it quits. And you hear one word, and that one word is stay. And you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately, but you stay. Some of you, you might have a health situation, right? And it doesn't look good. Or maybe it's a family member. And God gives you one word, and it's trust. And you hang on to that one word and you obey. Some of you, you got this idea. Maybe it's a business idea. Maybe it's a ministry idea. But you're like, how or when or how am I going to pay for it? I I don't understand. And God gives you one word and that one word is start. You don't have to understand immediately. Some of you, you, you've been hanging around church for a while and, and you're kind of starting to grow in the things of God, but you're still observing and I'm so glad you're here and you're welcome here forever and ever. But God may be giving you one word and it's commit. Commit. Don't just watch what God is doing. Get involved. Commit. Some of you may be praying about the future of your family. And maybe for you the one word is adopt or foster. But you're like, I need the details, right? What age are they going to be? Is it going to be domestic or international? Is it going to be a boy or is it going to be a girl? But you don't have to understand everything to take the next step. Maybe you're a great single girl in high school or college and you know you're dating a jerk. You know you're dating a loser. Everybody knows it. And maybe God gives you one word. Break up with the jerk. Five words, but you need to obey it. Break it off. You say, but but, but who am I going to marry? What if nobody better comes along? Again, you don't have to understand everything to do what God is calling you. To do. Personal story. When I was 23, I was a senior at the University of Wyoming. I heard a presentation by a missions organization that focused on the 1040 window of the world, which is predominantly Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and atheist. Hearing him speak, the Lord gave me one word, and the word was go. Now I'm a pre-med biology major, and so I figured that I would be a doctor in one of those countries in that region. You can't really just shout Jesus from the rooftops there. So it's a vocational missionary where you you get to shine the light of Christ through your life and through your vocation. I was excited about this. I took my parents out to lunch on my winter break when I was home. And I took them out to Bahama Breeze over by South Center Mall. And I told them about it. and, And they were nervous and anxious just like any parents would be. But they were also extremely supportive. So I took the first steps on this journey. And I decided to go down... I was going to go down to the U.S. Center for World Missions in California. At the time, they had a really cool program, a hands-on perspectives course, where you could go down to Los Angeles and you'd actually get to visit all the various mosques and temples and shrines to learn about the different religions of the world. If you've ever heard of the normal perspectives course, it was that class on steroids. 
But at the time, I was also playing the piano for a community choir in Renton, the Rainer Chorale. I, I still play for that group from time to time. And we had a concert on the first day of this program. I was told by the Center for World Missions that I could not miss the first day of class because of the concert, so I was not welcomed into the program. It devastated me. In fact, I still don't completely understand their decision. It still doesn't make sense to me. It rocked my world. Here I thought I was following God's call, fulfilling my God-given destiny, and right away a huge roadblock in the way stopped me in my tracks. So this bad news, it hits me in February, March of my senior year in college. I'm very discouraged. But then one day I come home from class and my roommates tell me I have two voicemails on my answering machine. I never got voicemails on my answering machine. But there were two. One was from a church called Life Center and the other was from a church called Life Center North, both in Spokane. They heard that I was looking to do a worship internship and wanted me to come out and visit. What? Like, what are you talking about? I I had literally no clue what they were talking about. I wasn't looking to do a worship internship. Which meant only one thing, that my brother Doug was behind the scenes doing something for his little brother. <laughs> Doug, many of you know him. Uh, he's the senior pastor of Evergreen Foursquare in Auburn. And he knew the wife of the vice president of Foursquare at the time. So he contacts her. He tells her about me. And she happens to be the sister of the senior pastor of Life Center in Spokane. And so she tells him and he tells the pastor of Life Center North. And that's how I get two voicemails on my answering machine. Well, all right, God, if this is you, I'm going to see what's going on. So I visit both churches on my spring break, and I said yes to God. I picked the smaller of the two churches because they were both huge and very intimidating to me, and I set off to do a three-month internship. Three months turned into six months. Six months turned into becoming a pastor, turns into nine years later. Three amazing kids, purpose and meaning, a beautiful wife, fulfilling God's call in my life. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But everything I'm doing this moment is a result of ridiculous obedience to say yes again and again, all based on one word, go. Now, he didn't give me all the details back in that classroom in 2003. He gave me a word, go. I could have never predicted the details of the last decade of my life. But as a servant of Christ, you and I, we don't need the details. We just need to obey His Word. Some of you, you're going to hear that one word from God, and you're going to be crazy enough, ridiculous enough, just like I would say, you know, I don't know all the details. I don't even know how this is all going to pan out, kind of my, like my life. But I don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. All right, thought number two. I love this one with all my heart. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. This is going to speak to somebody in this room. Those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Watch what Elijah does in verse 21. So Elijah left and went back. He took his yoke of oxen. Okay. So these are the animals that brought about his livelihood. And what does the Bible says he does with them? He slaughters them. He killed them. They're dead. And then what does he do with the plows? What does it say? He burned the plowing equipment that cooked the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. He had a bonfire out of the plowing equipment and he cooked steaks for his buddies. Then he sends out, he goes out, follows Elijah, becomes a servant. It's completely ridiculous. 
So God's calling me to go follow this prophet, become a prophet like him, maybe even greater than him. So I'm going to kill the cows and burn the plows. That's what I do. And that's ridiculous. Now, you can kind of see the kill the cows part, right? Symbolically, maybe. Whenever God did something, people would make a sacrifice. Or you can think about the prodigal son. When he returns, the father kills the fatted calf and they party. You can kind of see that. But then it goes on to say that he burns the plows. It's almost as if he's saying, I'm burning plan B. Right? There is no plan B. There's only obey God. One plan. And I've got to tell you, as a, as a dad, if my kids came home with this kind of plan, I, I'm going to say, hey, you know, I'm really proud of your faith and everything. And, you know, way to go and go serve God. But can we just keep our options open? Right? I mean, let's use our minds here. There's no reason to burn all of our other options. Go follow God, but keep the cows, keep the plows, because you never know when you're going to need to use them. Right? That, that's just some good, wise Fatherly advice. But what you're going to see in Scripture, there are often times when people are so moved by God that they do ridiculous things to follow Him without a plan B. When Jesus encountered Peter for the first time in Luke chapter 5, Peter, he's just having a bad fishing day. And Jesus comes up here and says, Hey, throw your nets on the other side. Peter's like, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus says, Hey, just do it. He did it. He caught so many fish, the Bible says the nets were breaking. And Peter's like, whoa, who are you? I mean, this is amazing. I'm a simple man. You are the Lord, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, from now on, you don't just catch fish. Now you fish for people. You're a fisher of men. And Scripture tells us something crazy. As crazy as the kill the cows, burn the plows plan. The Bible says that the disciples left everything. You know, you can read that and just move on, right? Just not really stop and think about it. But did you hear what I just said? The disciples left everything. Bring that into your own life. Leave my job. But wait, you you know, I trained for this. You know, I spent some serious money at college. I got an education for this. Leave my job. Leave my comfort. Leave my family. Leave my neighborhood. Leave my church. They left everything to follow him. And let me just say this. Make sure God is speaking to you. You don't just go into your office and say, I hate you all, I quit my job and burn down the building. That is not what I'm talking about. That's not God. That's just stupid and illegal. And I'm not going to visit you in jail. Okay, I'll probably visit you in jail because I love you regardless. No, I'm talking about when you know that you know that you know that God is calling you to leave where you are and go where he wants you to be. And you're not turning back. You can't go back because God, he's calling you forward. And you know what I'm talking about. There are some of you, God is going to give you that plow burning faith where you're going to be willing to do whatever it takes to follow God to the next place. And I want to give you some stories of people that I know that have this plow burning faith. I got a friend. He was a fairly new Christian when I first met him. He was on fire for Jesus, but he was struggling to figure out what the Christian life looked like. He became a leader in youth group, and he started to learn how to lead worship. But he also had this really good job as a security officer. And they changed the shift on him, and they needed him to work at the same time as youth group. So he was no longer able to be a leader. But still, he was so on fire for Jesus. Well, one day I had him over to the house. I showed him a video on being obedient and faithfully doing what God has called you to do. Within the next week, he quits his job so that he can continue as a worship leader at youth group. He burned the plow, so to speak. Ridiculous faith. In the years since, he's gotten a new job. He has a beautiful wife. 
In fact, he's not a youth leader anymore. He's now using all that he learned while in youth ministry to lead congregations on Sunday mornings in the praise and worship of God. In fact, he'll be leading worship this next Sunday morning. I think you know him. His name's Adam Hoffman. I know a guy who was a bartender, and then he was a manager at a sushi restaurant. And he was good at being a manager. And this guy and I, we'd meet every week to talk about his life, his job, and the Lord. And I knew right away that this guy had a call on his life to go into ministry. But he kept on holding on to the position he had because he was good at it. He was successful. Everybody loved him. And he was moving up that ladder of influence. But he knew that it wasn't what God had called him to do. But what about the money? What about the security? What about the significance? What about the power? And then one day he realized he was holding on to the plow, so to speak, never truly following God's plan for his life because he was afraid to let go of his own plan that he had created for security. So one day he said, I I can't do this any longer. I can't live in disobedience to God. And he quits his job. He becomes an intern at a church. He burned the plow. He gave up everything. For years after that, he lived in one of the smallest houses that I've ever seen because he went from making really good money to making almost nothing. Because, by the way, entering at the church is equivalent of being broke. That's what it means. (laughs) But it was all worth it because now he's living a life of obedience to what God had called him to do. In fact, I was just on the phone with him this last week, and he's now two months into planting a church in Airway Heights. On the other side of the mountains. I know a guy, he was struggling again and again and again, addicted to pornography. With the invention of a mobile phone, he was getting his butt kicked every single day. And he tried to block things and block things and block things. But then he'd find another way around it, another way around it, another way around it. And if there was a door open anywhere, he would go through that door. And he'd look at things that were hurtful to him and hurtful to his faith. And so he began talking with a friend and he's like, what do I do? The only thing I can think of is to get rid of this phone. But you've got to have this kind of phone, right? I mean, you've got to have a smartphone. Well, do you? Did people, like, survive for thousands of years without it? And the light turned on. The light turned on, and he decided to get rid of that little fancy smartphone. He took it, he smashed it, he destroyed it, taped it up to his wall, broken, basically saying, I'm burning this plow, I'm not going to let it take me down. In fact, now he uses what he calls a dumb phone. It's the opposite of smart. And by the way, he hates that dumb phone, (laughs) but he loves his purity. And I admire a guy who would say, I'm not going to let something keep me from being the man of God. God wants me to be. I know a lady who was a first grade teacher and when she became pregnant with her first child, she knew that God had called her to stay home with that child. But how was her family going to survive? Her husband was also a school teacher and the possibility of being able to live on one income, it was bleak. But they burned the plow and they obeyed God. Ten years later, four kids going on five kids later, God has provided every single step of the way. God spoke a word and she obeyed. Would you look at somebody next to you right now and say, maybe you need to burn a plow? Go ahead, do it. All right, now look at somebody else. Say it again. Maybe you need to burn a plow. Scary. I don't know. As if it's your wife. You're like, I don't know. I like the way our life is going. It's getting me nervous. 
You know, and I don't know what it's going to look like in your life. But if there is anything that is keeping you from serving God, you need to burn that plow. If there's anything from keeping you from serving God, you need to burn that plow. If there's a sin holding you back, burn that plow. If there's a doubt in your life, burn the plow. If there's a relationship that's holding you back, somebody's got to burn that plow. You're not going to let anything keep you from following God because you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And those that God uses the most are those who hold on to the least. Let it go. Some of you, even now, I I get it. You're like the little kid holding on to your blankie. I got to have my blankie, right? Got to have my teddy. My blankie or teddy or whatever it is that you think makes you feel secure. But never forget this. The step towards your destiny, there's a good chance you're going to have to step away from your security. And it's a false security, by the way, anything outside of Jesus Christ. But you have to step, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. And I believe, again, that there are some of you this morning that this word is speaking right to where you're at. And I believe God is going to give you the faith to believe that he's calling you to something new. Because you may be looking at auction rears today, but you've been faithful. You've been faithful. And did you know that God sees your faithfulness? And God, he might be calling you to something even greater for his kingdom. You have to have a faith that obeys immediately, that's willing to let go and be used powerfully by God. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Father, we pray that you would build faith in this church, God, corporately and individually, that we would recognize that it is an impossible thing to please you without faith, and we want to follow you. We want to do what you are leading us to do. As we pray, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. The first question is this. I want you to think very, very seriously about it before you respond. I believe there are many of those, those of you in this room right now that are followers of Jesus Christ who want God to stretch your faith. You want the kind of faith where you are willing to look ridiculous for Him. You want to leave behind the things that you've given too much importance to in your life. You're in a place right now where you don't want anything to hold you back from living out God's perfect will for your life. Now that's a big place to be at. So I want you you to think about this before you respond. But I just wonder how many of us would say, I don't want anything to hold me back. I want ridiculous faith to obey God. Even when it doesn't make sense, I will trust you now. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hands right now? All over this place. You bet. Hallelujah. Everybody, hallelujah, amen. Go ahead and put your hands down. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would begin to do a work. Do a work in us. I pray that by the hearing of your word that you would build up a faith that when you call, we would obey. God, even if it is just one word, I pray, God, for those who have made the decision to move. I pray, God, that you would call out and they would respond to your call, Lord, that they would hear you, Lord, that they'd hear you by your holy scriptures, Lord, that every person that raised their hand would search diligently into your word. God, I pray for a hunger in them, those that raise their hands, a hunger for your word like never before, that everything they would say, everything they would do would fall into alignment and agreement with your holy word. God, I pray that you would surround them by those who would build up their faith. There are so many Christian voices that are negative, whining and complaining, but God, I say bring them encouragers in the faith who would build them up instead of tear them down. And God, as you call them, give them faith and give them supernatural strength to obey you even when they do not fully understand. In your name we pray. And as we continue to pray, there are those of you even now, as we're praying and in this time of prayer, you recognize that you don't have this kind of faith. If you're completely honest, you'd say, I am not a fully devoted follower 
of Jesus. And if I asked you why, you'd have any number of different reasons why. Some of you would say, I don't believe in that stuff. Or you'd say, well, Jesus is just some kind of story. Or you'd say, well, there's a lot of different ways to God. Or some of you would say, I'm never going to be good enough to get to God. Some of you would say, with all that I've done, all the garbage in my life, I don't think I could ever be forgiven by God. And listen up as we pray. I want to say this very clearly, that there is a God and He does love you. And if you're feeling drawn toward Him today, there's going to be a million reasons why you don't take this step of faith. But there's one reason why you should. One reason, and that's because God loved you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who was without sin, to become sin for us, to die and to be raised again so that anyone who calls on His name would be saved. The moment you call on the name of Jesus, all your sins, they're forgiven. But I'm not ready. You say, I don't care. But I've still got questions. I don't care. But I I don't care. The time is never going to be right for you to have everything figured out. At some point, you just have to take a step of faith. And Scripture says you're saved not by works, but you're saved by grace through faith. And that's where you believe in the perfect work of Jesus Christ and believe that it is enough for you. At that moment when you believe, you become a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything becomes new. And that is why many of you are sitting here today at LifeSpring Church. By faith, you're going to give your life to Christ. Those of you who would say, that's me, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I turn to him and I trust him, would you lift up your hands right now? Just say yes to God, yes, absolutely, amen. That's my prayer, lift your hands, say, that's my prayer, that's me, Pastor Dan, that's me, Pastor Dan. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to pray for you, everyone, pray with me. Heavenly Father, repeat after me, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. This is the truth, make me brand new. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again so that I could live for you. Today, fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. So there's been some crazy, crazy commitments made this morning. Can we just thank God, the God who we put our radical, ridiculous faith into. God, we don't know the outcome. God, we don't know the result. But we obey you, Lord. We take that next step of faith in you, Jesus. We're not holding on any longer, Lord. We're letting go. We're letting go. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord.